recording in progress. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm actually really good. What have you done today? Um, I had quite a fun day, actually. I was looking at, uh, uh, what's the word? Potential <laughs> um, filming locations for a video we're about to film. Ooh, like a music video? No, like a formative, like, commercial video. Oh, interesting. On, like, biodiversity, so I was looking at gardens, so it's really nice, actually. Just been prancing around London looking at gardens. And how has law got to do with biodiversity and gardens? Uh, because we advise on, like, biodiversity net gain. So when you build something, you have to give it back. You have to give, mm. like, net gain back. Interesting. Um, can you tell everyone um, about two fairy friends that you met this week? The dogs. Oh, the dogs. Right. So I don't know if anyone I've heard of it before, but I didn't I've never done it until I moved to London. Um, borrow my doggy. The coolest thing. And I've actually I've met two fairy friends, but I've actually met two real friends as well. Like really nice people. But yeah, I've met two dogs. One came to stay for the day and I went for a coffee with another. Um, yeah, really fun. But the point of the app being if you have a dog and you're working or you can't yeah. walk it or look after it that day, then you can like borrow a dog for a day and look after it. Yeah. Uh, and so win-win, you get your dog fix and they get free daycare. Yeah. Yeah, but also like one of the girls that I met, she like works from home most days but she met loads of people when she didn't have a dog through the app so she was really keen to get on it because she moved to the area so she could meet people so and like she told me she got a new job today and stuff like that so it's really nice and that's called meet my doggy borrow my doggy borrow my doggy yeah so um we would like to thank them for sponsoring this podcast and giving me loads of dogs (laughs) oh my gosh can you that's a joke, um, by the way. But yeah, how was your day? Um, my day was good. I took my brother bowling, which was great. I beat him in the first game. He beat me in the second game. Um, Can you imagine and- how competitive that was? Oh, it was so competitive. And there was full-on boogieing when we got a strike. Like, there was yeah. no shame. No, can't imagine. Um, only went to play one game, but had to be two because had had to try and beat me, didn't he? Mm. Um, but they really good fun. Although so windy, the sand was flying off the beach into our eyes, which wasn't cute. You were bowling on the beach? Well, at the bowling alley by the beach. Uh, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I was went to this garden called One Garden at 120. So it's like top floor of this huge building in London. And it was so windy. Like I was trying to live my best life and have like... A lovely moment but I just got so windswept and nearly fell over nice it's so windy here in fact I wouldn't be surprised if you could hear it when you listen back to this yeah what's the storm called like I storm don't... I still know it is it's like storm euphoria or something but not a lot but anyway let's get into it
So this week's episode, we have got registered nutritionist Tamara Bennett on. That's my mum. And we're going to talk all things nutrition. We put a post up on our Instagram page and we got actually so many questions. So we're going to attempt to make our way through as many of them as possible. Um, And any that we miss, I'm sure if you follow um, Tazabi on Instagram and give her a message when she gets a moment, she will give you she'll give you a little bit of insight. Um, So without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Good evening, or hello, should I say. Um, By the way, Tazza B isn't (laughs) um, my professional name. So (laughs) if you do go to my Tazza B Instagram, I won't answer any of your questions because I'm (laughs) off duty on that one. But um, at Nutrition and Practice, tomorrow at Nutrition and Practice, um, I'd be happy to get back to you. But I hope I answer a few of those questions this evening. Yeah, um, yeah. that's so like a really a... nice mix of questions. So it'd be really interesting, I think. Let's get let's do a little bit of questioning. So, how did you get into nutrition? Oh golly, um, I guess honest answer, failed doctor, uh, oh. because I failed my chemistry at A level twice. Um, so I thought I had to check. Well, I had to change tack. And actually, I'm really, really grateful and glad that I went down the nutrition route. Um, and what does registered nutritionist mean? Compared uh, to registered nutritionist means you have to do backflips through a ring of fire to qualify as far as the criteria they uh, demand for you to be registered. Um, I have a master's, which funny enough, didn't just give, give you automatic registration uh, back in the day. Um, but yes, you do have to do a very crunchy uh, academic degree to become a registered nutritionist. And also you have to keep on top of your research. You have to do like a certain number of hours a year. Absolutely. The old CPDs, the continued professional development. Yes, you absolutely have to stay on top of your field and be really current to be a responsible practitioner. Okay, cool. And then in about 30 seconds, do you want to do us a quick whistle-stop tour through your career and what you've done? Oh, not fair, Mills. You know that's not fair. 30 <laughs> seconds. Golly. Okay. So, uh, well, worked with Zulus in South Africa, worked with the U.S. Marine Corps in the U.S., worked with Olympians and even a, um, a former Amir in Kuwait, um, have been an independent practitioner for a good decade, and now very recently just taken on public health nutrition, um, a role that's been produced in Somerset County Council. Coolio. Okay, let's get on with some questions. Okay, so uh, a lovely first question, I think. Um, So one of the listeners asked, what is the link between your mental health and your gut? Oh, golly. that's a bit chicken and egg kind of question. Um, so I could come come from either angle. Um, your mental health can definitely affect your diet and your dietary choices. Similarly, your dietary choices and diet can affect your mental health. So if I come from um, first the diet, I, your dietary choices, for example, if you consume high levels of sugar or refined carbohydrates, that can have an impact on your mental health, for sure, emotional health. Um, if you're a large consumer of alcohol, that can similarly have an intra- um, impact on your mental health. Um, but as far as your mental health and your gut is concerned, if we concentrated on that, sugar, alcohol, 
fats, caffeine, it all can affect your gut. And because we have learned that 90% of your serotonin is produced in your gut, then of course it can affect your mental health. Serotonin, most of you might recognize the word um, being related to brain chemistry. And many people take antidepressants to impact the brain chemistry, but actually nutritionists are recognizing that if we focus on gut health and actually optimize serotonin production in the gut, then maybe there'd be less need for some of these antidepressants. Now that doesn't mean, golly, if you are taking antidepressants, stop taking them and start focusing on your gut. Absolutely not. Continue with your antidepressants, but it's just a very interesting take that actually we're recognizing that uh, looking at our gut, look health and, and our diet um, can very much impact on our mood, um, but also your energy levels. And of course, energy levels will affect your, your mood. IBS, um, inflammatory bowel conditions, all these sorts of things, yeast overgrowth. Some people might've heard of thrush and candida. Um, that's a yeast overgrowth in your gut and other orifices, as we well know. Um, and that can be impacted very much by diet. It's so true, actually, isn't it? Like, I think on the surface, if I've eaten healthy in a day, well, healthy, it you think, like, you get to the end of the day, and you're like, oh, I'm really pleased with myself. I've, ate, I've eaten really healthily today. But actually, that's what you've put into your body is also helping that, not just the thought of, oh, I've eaten this. That means I'm happy tonight because yeah. I've done well in my day. It's mm -hmm. the gratification of eating well, but then also feeling good. Yeah. Because you're and I think you actually take off, don't you? Yeah. You don't kind of recognize the fact that you're feeling good because you, what's in your body is producing yeah. that effect. You think it's, yeah, the gratitude of, I've done really well today. I've stuck to my diet kind of thing and I've eaten what I should do. But actually, it's the serotonin as well. It can be, it can be. Not necessarily that quickly, but absolutely. Yeah. If you think about it, if you've had a, as it, let's put it in inverted commas, you know, a good week and you have sort of eaten more veg and, and you've avoided the sugary drinks and you've you really focused on nourishing yourself for a week, you do feel not just self-righteous and chuffed with yourself, but you tend to have a better energy. You tend to be sleeping yeah. better. You'll already see better skin and potentially better gut function that quickly. And then we know if you've had a humdinger of a weekend where you've gone out on the razzle on a Friday night, had a skin full, you've had, you know, your kebab at one o'clock in the morning, and then actually the hair of the dog the next day, you feel rats. And it's not just dehydration. It's not just sleep deprivation. It's because you've put lots of revolting fats and, and horrible food in you. And you do feel the consequences of that. No question. Um, so conclusion to that, good gut health is only going to support your mental health. Correct? Yeah, I think that's very fair to say. Absolutely. And vice versa. Um, but it's really important, I think, to just take note that the psychosomatic, you know, that um, impact of looking after yourself, um, irrespective of, of the impact it's having on you digestively and on a cellular level, has a huge, huge benefit. Mm -hmm. Can we okay. just, hang on? Can we just wait one minute? Go. You had a question. Mm. You're too late. No. You're too late. You should have answered your question when you had a question. Why? What's your question, Hamish? Is there a question on that? No. It's not on there. What is your question? No, I thought I think it's quite a good question actually. Go on. I'm going to ask. So, do you see many differences between like 
the problems that males have compared to females. So like, for instance, guys are considered more meat eaters potentially. So they might have more problems because they eat too much meat or something like that. Well, curiously that you asked that Hamish, because actually the complaints usually come from the partner and they say, why are my partner's farts so disgustingly smelly? Mm. Yeah. Did you like the boyfriend's episodes? <laughs> I do. I do get that. But it usually doesn't come from the, the male. It comes from the partner. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. Yes, you will. You do have different issues. However, that said, um, hormonally, you don't have a fraction of what women tend to have because actually, well, we're going to discuss this shortly, but hormones, both menstrual hormones, but also um, female hormones through menopause cause so many problems that you blokes don't have to put up with. But no, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Gastrointestinal is very much a big thing with men, but also adrenal fatigue, cortisol and DHA imbalances are massive in men. What is that? Cortisol and DHEA. So cortisol is a stress hormone that your adrenals produce. And, um, you know, like particularly the alpha male, the very competitive male, they get burnout, adrenal, adrenal stress or adrenal fatigue. Interesting. But even Stephen's on the diabetes usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But things like lupus, a lot of the autoimmune diseases tend to be more female related. Yeah, Hamish, that was a good question. Yeah, that was a really good question. You can interrupt for the fifth time. Fifth cool. So we found the record button. Right. That's some really dodgy editing. As you might have seen on our Instagram story, we are got to record half of it so we're going again (laughs) here we go take two right so someone wrote in saying i'm wanting to tone up but not lose weight do i need to be in a calorie deficit or a protein heavy diet or anything else good question um no no need to be in a calorie deficit if no weight loss is intended um protein heavy that's interesting um depending on the diet of course as it stands um if they're focusing on getting enough protein in breakfast lunch and dinner then no should there there should be no need for reinforcing or enriching the diet with extra protein either protein bars or protein shakes no um one thing people often forget is carbohydrate and forget you need carbohydrate for energy to actually be able to do your exercise or your training effectively um, as part of your training program Um, and hydration or rehydrating after training if you're a very sweaty exerciser you're one of those people that really does drip on that machinery um, then you really do need to make sure that you're hydrating sufficiently and potentially even getting some electrolytes in so sort of the sodium the magnesium potassium, calcium, et cetera, um, they're as key as focusing on the, the protein. Um, and a, how much protein should someone be eating? How would you know that you're getting enough protein in your balanced diet? Okay, and if you do consume your protein in a balanced diet, about how much a day should you be consuming for the average person? 
Okay, well, there's actually a really simple calculation you can do. The average um, person metabolizes about one gram of protein per kilogram of body weight. So simple maths, you know, if you weigh 60 kg, then about 60 grams of protein a day. Um, so unless you're bodybuilding or really trying to do some fairly serious strength and training or endurance exercise, that should be sufficient. And then, so you say that we should all get a natural amount of protein in our diet. What's your view on protein shakes and like protein bars and stuff like that? Ah, I think, frankly, that's... Um, food manufacturers exploiting a gap in the market or what they saw as a gap in the market um when very few of us are deficient in protein um we don't need protein and rich things if we're eating chicken breasts we're eating fish if we're eating eggs nuts seeds pulses you know we should be able to get it through real food in three meals a day these um, shakes and bars are really a convenience thing um, and really exploiting people's sort of desperation for either a quick fix or for, I think they came around with the advent of these meal replacements when you, you know, go on these diet programs and things. But most of us do not need those. I think the only time we've ever used a Mills Bomb is Duke of Edinburgh Awards, 10 tours, events and things like that, not day to day or in week to week training. Um, what would you say, though, to people who are elite sports people who attach their names to things like the world's strongest man he's created his own protein um powder range and stuff like that because some people would argue oh well they've got nutritionists signing off their meals and stuff so it must be okay for them it must be okay for me yep very different very very different if you're talking somebody who's competitively or professionally a sports person um, then yes they should have nutritionists who are looking at every gram and the forms of, of protein um, carbohydrates similarly the electrolytes vitamins minerals the whole gambit um, and not to, to forget the essential fatty acids no very very different ball game mills bomb and so them consuming some of these products is very different to the average person following someone on Instagram and ordering protein that they've advertised. The average Joe, absolutely. But I would just like to say there are some big brands out there that are endorsed by celebrities and people that are recognized and, and even these influences on um, social media. Um, my advice, if you really are convicted to going down that avenue, because maybe you're not preparing yourself a proper meal in the evening or you're not making time to plan and, and have those things in your fridge, my recommendation would be to go for plant proteins, not whey or casein or animal proteins. Why? Because plant proteins are not inflammatory in the same way as, as um, byproducts of dairy, the dairy industry. Um, so going for a pea protein or a barley protein or even soy, um, are definitely a, a better way to go. Um, okay, so this question might be a bit of a throwback to you for your kombucha days, but can you ask... Um, can you ask? Someone has asked. <laughs> can you make kombucha from coffee? Great question. Simple answer. No. Um, the, the thing is with coffee beans, uh, they have some natural oils in. And the SCOBY and the organisms within the SCOBY that we use to ferment kombucha 
don't like oils, which is why we can't use something like Earl Grey to make kombucha with. Because just say to everyone, in case you don't know, kombucha is a fermented tea. <laughs> oh, thanks for that, Belle. Yeah. Sorry. Because <laughs> I was just thinking, people might not know. You can make kombucha out of anything then. But no, you can't. Key, it is key detail. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, Belle. But actually, with um, kombucha, you can make a coffee-flavoured kombucha, but the first ferment has to be with tea and tea leaves. You can bring in the coffee flavor in the second ferment. So the person who asked that question, you would imagine knows something about kombucha. Um, so in answer to that question, they can make their kombucha with the tea in the normal way. If they want coffee flavored kombucha, you'll need to do that with a second ferment because the oils will damage the SCOBY. And would there be any increased health benefits for having a coffee-infused kombucha or no more than anything else that's infused? Um, I wouldn't say any more. Different, different, but not any more or any less. Because um, let's be honest, if you put um, other plants in for the second ferment, you're going to get benefits from those plants, extracts and things that might just infuse into the solution. Similarly with coffee. But we knew, know coffee is a really... Um, or offers good nutritional benefit to most people, those people that are tolerant of it. Um, but I wouldn't say more or less, no. Um, on the question of coffee quickly, another one of the questions we had was that someone said, I saw that coffee first thing is bad for your gut. So first thing in the morning is, would you say this is true? Bad for your gut. Okay, that's an interesting one. People have historically used coffee almost as a laxative. Um, it can be an irritant to the gut in some people. So it can be used to open the bowels at the beginning of the day. Um, other people, it doesn't have that impact or effect at all. So bad for the gut for some, yes, for those that are sensitive to it. Um, and, and bad, I don't know, it's quite nice to empty your bowels and your first thing in the morning but um <laughs> but it can it can <laughs> it can cause irritation and inflammation in some people but yeah. the polyphenols in coffee are good for your gut because um tim specter i follow him on social media um shout out to him he has done a post recently about that people who drink coffee frequently have a more diverse gut microbiome or more diversity in their gut microbiome is that right absolutely absolutely that's true and that's because there are polyphenols and actual fibers in proper coffee we're talking proper coffee we're not talking nescafe instant here um yes and actually any fiber that's consumed on a regular basis is going to encourage the population of, of various species in the gut so absolutely i'm not surprised by that finding from his study good old tim thanks doctors Pro professor specter um and then caffeine quick one on coffee and caffeine because i for example can't have caffeine i have to have decaf but caffeine can be a problem or um for people um it can cause inflammation and give people the jitters like me who literally just shake it can it can give people arrhythmias yes it can cause it is a stimulant um it can also cause or promote um adrenal fatigue because it's a stimulant so but again I well i haven't mentioned i don't think just quite yet but we're all different we respond to things differently and this is a brilliant example actually we know that some people can drink a double espresso at midnight and be asleep by 10 past and other people can't drink a single coffee after midday if they want a decent night's sleep and, and that's a really good indicator of how biochemically 
um, individually we we can be and are. So there really isn't a one size fits all. Some it suits, some it doesn't. There's an old um, fashioned saying that says one man's meat is another man's poison. In other words, meat suits some people and for others it just has a shocking effect on them. So yeah. Okay, moving on to the next question. Someone asked, is drinking cow's milk generally bad for you? Well, it goes back to the last question, i.e. it's bad for some and not for others. You know, one man's meat is another man's poison. For most people, um, cow's milk is, is fine. For some people who has a, have a lactose intolerance or intolerant to the natural um, sugars in cow's milk, it's a problem. For people who have an intolerance to one of the proteins, um, it's not fine. So generally, for most people, it is okay. Um, I think the question might have been asked is because there's this increased um, concern about dairy, but also this advent of all these wonderful plant-based milks or milk alternatives. Um, what I would like to add is that they're not like for like. So a soya, almond, oat, rice milk is not equivalent nutritionally to cow's milk. Um, I think one concern with the nutritional fraternity is that people drink these non-dairy milks as an alternative to cow's milk and are expecting it to have the same nutrient profile. It doesn't. It definitely is not as rich in calcium as, as cow's milk can be. And not many of them are enriched with calcium to make them an equivalent. But regarding cow's milk and its fat content, I think people get quite twitchy about the full fat, semi-skim, skimmed milk thing. Um, in real terms, full fat milk is only 4% fat. Now that makes that a low fat really? food. Yeah, That's surprising 4%. to be fair. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So full fat, 4%, semi-skimmed is 2%, skimmed is less than 1%. But the thing with the majority of that fat, even though it's only 4%, is that it's mostly saturated. Well, 60 plus percent of it is saturated. And that's where it can be a problem from a health perspective because of heart health, cardiovascular health, um, uh, cholesterol. Sorry, Mills. But um, coconut milk is a milk alternative and that's also high in saturated fat. Is that right? Well, coconut fat is, or coconut oil is very high in fat. In fact, higher, sorry, in saturated fat, higher in saturated fat than suet even um What's suet? You know, suet is um the fat that you would make a suet pudding out okay so yeah maybe that's not a good example for you young people but like a, a a steamed pudding or something like that once upon a time suet was renowned as a very dense animal fat but coconut fat is is even higher than that so um in fact i think 94 percent of coconut fat is saturated fat that is not a healthy fat, but a lot of us are consuming it thinking it's a healthy fat. And that's because um, a scientific study that was done some time ago, some scientific journalist extrapolated the information and has spread the, well, misinformation basically. But going back to the cow's milk thing and saturated fat, um, in real terms, it's low fat, but what fat it does have is 60 plus percent saturated fat. And so like with anything, drinking pints of the stuff is bad, but a dash of milk in your coffee, it's going to be okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, I mean, there's few of us who are consuming, you know, pints and litres of it a day. So yeah, exactly. Let's yeah. keep and it like in you context. Say, 
keeping it it depends who you are like we at home have both dairy and non-dairy um options because it just depends on isn't it it like it's so on trend at the moment to be drinking these like dairy alternatives and a lot of them are marketed at to be like the healthier product but are you saying not necessarily oh no um no i'm i'm saying i drink those in preference from a health perspective yeah but i'm not anti the dairy yeah but if somebody is drinking large amounts of it then let's question it yeah i think more more concerning than milk are the cheese products yeah. um you know they're much higher in saturated fat than than you know the amount you're going to be getting in your cow's milk so it's not a simple answer the question no. was drinking cow's milk generally bad for you generally no depends on how much you're drinking and depends how you know if you have an intolerance to lactose or um you know an inflammatory condition like eczema or something similar a question after my own heart any non-bloating tips actually i think it's a question probably of most girls i feel i was gonna say this obviously anyone can bloat but i think it's a massive insecurity within girls like the number of people or girls that I've like, we've all got ready for a night out and people have changed yeah. outfits because they oh, no longer feel comfortable. People their diet throughout the day so they don't bloat. and Bloat, yeah. yeah. People yeah, literally just eat true. a pepper and cheese so they don't bloat before they go out or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah okay. so mum, please help. Yeah. This is a whole podcast in itself, girls. <laughs> um, yeah, bloating is a major problem for not just young women, but right across um, the ages, truly. Um, Not a simple one to answer though, truly, because it really does depend on the cause of the bloat. For for some people, it could be because they don't chew properly. Literally, people just chew something two or three times and swallow. Well, if they're not chewing their food properly, it means that food has to stay in the stomach a lot longer to be able to break it down into a sort of something that can pass along into the small intestine if it's having to spend longer in the stomach it's got more time to ferment and cause a bloat Um, it could be that you have an imbalance in in bacteria in your gut it does depend on how quickly that bloat occurs have you eaten something in the last half an hour and then you're getting a bloat is it a couple of hours after you've eaten you're getting a bloat Um, is it later in the day so it will depend on you know really what's causing the bloat fermentation in your large intestine um, does cause considerable bloating and it can get trapped and really uncomfortable and that's when you start getting that sort of six month pregnant look or feel at least and that's usually fermentation you have different bacteria that produce different gases um, and it could be that you have an imbalance of those and you're just feeding it the fodder it likes and it's being able to party down there Um, so it does depend on the source of the bloat but bloating isn't necessarily bad. Some It could just be a natural response to hormones, food, whatever. It doesn't necessarily mean something's bad's going on. Uh, no, not necessarily. And again, as I said, this is a whole podcast in itself. Um, for example, let's let's touch on the hormone one. Let's touch yeah, on let's the fact that actually... The, pr- the, can we bring the next question in? Because it's... it's- I, is it normal to feel bloated when I'm on my period? And is there anything that can be done about that? So that's obviously hormonal as well. Yes. Okay. So that is specifically hormonal. So, and there is 
pretty much nothing you can do about that. So if you have that, that premenstrual bloat, two, three, four, even a week before you menstruate, if when that menstruation comes, that bloat just naturally disappears, that, that is definitely a hormonal bloat. It doesn't matter how you change your diet. That's not going to change that. Okay, you will you could go to websites and there could be information there suggesting you avoid salt or alcohol or caffeine or these sorts of things. I can pretty much assure you that's that's not going to help. That's hormonal. However, however, um, we do know that actually if you do consume large amounts of salt and large amounts of alcohol and large amounts of refined carbohydrates that can promote bloating, but that's separate from hormonal bloating. Um, but going back to that fermentation, if you feed those bacteria that love to ferment the foods they love, and that could be a simple carbohydrate, um, then yes, you're going to get lots of fermentation and bloating. And meals in that regard, it would suggest there's something wrong. It would suggest you have dysbiosis. It would suggest you've got an imbalance of the bacteria in your gut and you've got lots of fermentative bacteria and you can change the way you, you eat. Um, to reduce that but it does take time and commitment um so yeah and like you said thing. there's so many variables and everyone's mm -hmm. body's different and reacts different to different things so it's it's quite hard to answer without generalizing yeah, yeah. i would just like to add to the, the baked bean bloat you know the beans means that one oh, what, oh, um, that <laughs> what's it called um beans beans, beans, beans they're good for your heart the more you eat the more you fart, the more you fart, the best you feel. So eat your beans at every meal. Yeah, okay. So, but beans do typically and traditionally make people bloated windy. and windy. Yes, nicely put. And Brussels sprouts. Yes, yes. But it's, it's a specific types of fiber in those foods that create that. But actually, it's not a given. If you ate those foods on a regular basis, um, and, and your, your bacteria in the, your gut are more familiar, you can sort of adjust and adapt and, and change that. You don't always have to get windy, that's for sure. But it does take some commitment. It does take some commitment. Hamish had on Valentine's Day had, um, I can't remember what he had, but it came with beans. It was like a bean salad mm -hmm. on Valentine's Day. You know what I mean? <laughs> was very windy Hamish at night. Romantic. Awful. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I can vouch for that saying is true. Mm. <laughs> um, well, I think those are all our questions that we've got time for. Um, I feel like we could have done a whole nother podcast. Maybe we'll do an extra one in the future with some other unanswered questions and for more burning questions that people have. Um, but thanks, Mum for hopping on here but is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with is there anything as a nutritionist that you want to shout about oh thanks for that um yeah i'd like to leave on a positive note actually bell because i think um people can get very fixated on on removing food groups or avoiding foods or or thinking they shouldn't eat this and shouldn't eat that and actually to leave on a on a high to say actually to try and increase your intake of definitely fruits and vegetables but to aim for 30 different plant foods a week would be a really good thing to to sort of yeah 
have a plant star chart on your fridge. Yeah, I was say. Plant foods being nuts, um, seeds, pulses, grains, grasses, herbs, spices, all of the above. Anything that grows from the ground. And um, we take this very seriously in the Bennett household. Um, <laughs> we have a competition. Um, videos of my uni weekly shop has been sent to mother nutritionist to boast about her 30 different plant <laughs> foods um but yeah just a quick one to cover my mum's professional credibility this was obviously all said um in general with no context um of who was asking these questions so if you do need specific advice make sure you reach out to a gp or registered nutritionist and they can look at you as a whole individual and not just a question online Well, thank you, Tazabi. Yeah. Um, bon voyage. That was really interesting. Really interesting. And I think I take it for granted that yeah. I have a fountain of knowledge on tap. Yeah. But no, I think um, the questions asked were like nice and like generic. I feel like we very briefly touched on everything. Yeah, but I also feel like we could have gone into every question so yeah. much more detail and we could have answered so many more questions. Yeah, but maybe in the future we could have like a, I'm going to say the word that I can't say, specific. Yeah, specific for anyone who needed translating. <laughs> a specific. Um, oh my God, Belle, that is awful. But you're going to make me say it again. Just let me, a. Sorry. Mm-mm-mm. Specific. Mm-hmm. Specific. Mm-hmm episode on like maybe gym diets or yeah keto diets. getting ready for summer weight yeah. loss I actually think as well I can't talk from a male perspective but I can talk from a female perspective my cohort of friends and people at uni um would always flick flack between trying to lose weight trying to tone trying to lose weight trying to tone um and so yeah we could do a whole like guide like a how-to yeah. guide um yeah, on how to do yeah, that. I think with social media so many people advertise what works for them and you know have you seen this whole like stairmaster trend at the moment that you do like 20 minutes or something like that two days a week and you lose all this weight and it's just like you know Tamara's just preached that everyone is different and I think that's also why going to Google and going to these big mm. um nutritional companies actually doesn't always sort it out it works for some people they have great success but it doesn't always help or work because everyone's body is so different like I can drink two pints of milk and I won't feel the effects of it and some people can have drink a single coffee and you're out exactly bouncing off the walls I'm yeah I'm the opposite I I still don't know like I really struggle with fatigue and that could be something in my diet but you know I haven't pinpointed it yet so I think it is so true that everyone is different and don't let social media tell you what you should be eating or what you shouldn't be eating and like you should do this and you'll lose this like or you'll do this and you'll put this on like just and and also I think every professional within the health and nutrition industry would say that restrictive diets and cutting things out more often than not causes more problems and like mum said try and eat more variety and diversity because we know that that's only going to be beneficial for most people yeah yeah (laughs) um and i do think social media as well make it think that there's like this one shake that can fix all your problems or one tablet and actually fixing a problem can take years it can take months to figure it out and you've got to just work like 
do what works for you because there's enough pressures in the world we don't need any more yeah food is the one thing i look forward to can't have that ruined for me (laughs) oh um well, also, can we just say thank you, everyone, again um, for the love on the giveaway? It has now ended. It has ended. It has been announced. Um, uh, disclaimer, by the way, she I realised on hindsight that she had the same surname as me, so it could look really dodgy. We are not related by any means. No. I actually have never met this person. I don't know who they are. Um, so it is completely authentic. We did an online random wheel. So I just wanted to make that clear because... My sister has to be being like, Mel, people might think she's our cousin. I was like, that is so true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Wait, was it my sister? It actually might have been Dave. As if I've just got them confused. But anyway. Anyway, it wasn't anyone. Yeah, it was. But I'm so glad we did it. It was a really lovely treat for whoever did win it. And they, they, we told them, didn't we? And they were like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I was literally having the worst day ever. And it's really cheered them up. So it's a lovely little something. It's a nice feeling giving someone something. Yeah. Yeah. well, before we go, we just want to say that we are planning out, we've got the next few ones, podcasts lined up. But if there's anything that you want to see, speak to, hear from. Let us know. Yeah. Because um, we've got a few things in the pipeline, a few more Exciting guests. things in the pipeline. Um, yeah, who can hopefully offer you guys insight um, and help and interest which would be cool because it'd be more interesting than us. Two girls with not a fathom between them. Yeah, but no, it would be, yeah, just let us know. Let us know. Let All us right. know. Slide into our DMs. Speak and uh, next week. Yeah, we'll see you next Friday. And we hope you have a fabulous weekend. Cool. Well, love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>